Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 145, De-Stress the Holidays, De-Stress Your Life. It's November 20th, 2023. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, etc. I am also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any capacity. My music is by Howie Moscovich. De-stress your holidays, de-stress your life. Oh my heavens, what a big topic. Right before the holidays. <laughs> a couple housekeeping notices before I dive in and try to sort this out for you so you have some new ideas about ways you can have freedom and decrease your stress before the holidays and in life in general. Number one, if you happen to be in the deaf or hard of hearing community, I do have transcripts for all of my podcasts on my podcast hosting platform, which is rss.com. Within a few hours to 24 hours, a transcript for this particular podcast will be generated and published as well. If you are suicidal and you're listening to this podcast and you have been thinking your life is way too hard or you can't continue or you don't want to continue or the world doesn't need you or want you or anything of that that genre, I am asking you to stop and call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Uh, And if you don't want to do that, you can text 988, which is the new text number, because what I promise you is it is extremely likely that you have had some type of trauma in the past that has left you feeling the way that you feel. And with the proper support, you will be able to see how you got put together and that you'll have freedom. You'll really, things will shift for you, I promise. So the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number, if you don't want to call or text 988, is 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. I promise you, this is very common. It's just that most people will not... um, cop to feeling that way and my last piece is uh, next to last piece actually is this podcast and all of my content none of it is designed to be medical or therapy advice I am not a therapist I'm not in the medical community and therefore nothing I say is can be construed as medical or therapy advice that medical or therapy advice you should get from a licensed healthcare provider And lastly, if you missed, (laughs) I do have a giveaway. My giveaway is kind of on hold until 2024 when I'm mobile, can walk after my accident. And, uh, but I would still like you to enter. I need people to enter the giveaway. So I have people, uh, when it's time to pull the plug and say to my IT guy, okay, pull, you know, 25 winners or pull 50 winners. I need some names in there. So do me a, do me a square <laughs> register for the giveaway, knowing that you're not going to win anything till next year. 
All right. I, I didn't stop the giveaway because I enjoyed it. I just stopped the notification and shipment of prizes. So do things that make you happy, people. That's one way to be happy in life. All right. So de-stress your holidays, de-stress your life. So why are the holidays so hard? Why are the holidays so stressful? Well, hint, hint, it's the same reason why life can be so hard and life can be so stressful. So I have some of the top reasons why the holidays might be stressful or your life might be stressful. Take it either way. So number one, you might be from, <laughs> you might be from a dysfunctional family. Oh, that would be extremely common because the dysfunctional rates vary somewhere between 70 to 96%. We don't really have a, I think a good number on that. That's what I, I found that uh, on a more than one occasion. And I have read, seems to be agreement 70% or greater. But you know, if you have a dysfunctional family, that's, that doesn't feel good. And that can be highly stressful. You also may, without knowing it, be trauma bonded to people either in your family or in relationships that is extremely painful. Now, personally, I just found out about trauma bonding earlier this year and it's been like uh woohoo oh my heavens I had this hypothesis and I feel pretty confident in stating this or I wouldn't state it that we have a very high percentage of people who have been well we know we have a high percentage of people who've had trauma that much we know that's a fact worldwide it's 70 percent or greater but a high percentage of those people are trauma, then trauma bonded with their abuser. And what that looks like is, you know, so it might be your spouse, it might be your significant other, could be your parent, could be your siblings, could be a best friend even. It could, it could be a lot of different people, could be somebody from work, where, where they're really not that nice to you. Or they, they make little digs or, you know, it's kind of like a backhanded compliment. One, one part of it is like kind of nice, but then there's like this like, dig to it. So there's something about the relationship where it's really not pristine. It's not pure and it's not all good. And it's not uncommon for people to make excuses for their spouse, their significant other, their coworker, their family, their parents, their siblings, their child, their whatever that, oh, they didn't really mean it. And, and so there's a lot of justifications and that's a good sign or it's a sign that there may be trauma bonding. And I really have to say, I just, I am bowled over by Jennifer Freyd's work. So that's Jennifer Freyd, F-R-E-Y-D, is from the University of Oregon. And she is the originator of betrayal trauma theory and a great body of work about betrayal trauma, which is fascinating. And everyone, I hope everyone gets hip to that because in my opinion, seems to me like a very, very, very high percentage of trauma is in the betrayal category. And then what comes with that can be betrayal blindness, institutional betrayal, and tra trauma bonding. So you might be bonded to somebody in your life that's really not that nice to you. And that, that would be stressful. And that is actually going to be painful. So you could also have stress with the holidays because of past history, you know, your past history with holidays has been negative or certain things happen. You may, you may be stressed because the holidays are a reasonable and normal time to miss people who are either deceased and have passed away 
or have left your life for whatever reason. Um, there are also typically extra things to do over the holidays, over and above the normal, which could include travel, food prep, cleaning, decorating, entertaining, outings, and that can add a lot of stress. Now, there is also, not just during the holidays, but in life in general, a fact a percentage of people who are lonely, which which there's you could be in a group of people, you could be at a very large gathering and still feel lonely. So lonely doesn't necessarily loneliness is a feeling irrespective of whether you're actually alone or whether you're with a group of people. And that can be because of estrangement, there can be alienation, there can be all kinds of factors that 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 ramp up loneliness. You might be dealing with depression or anxiety or other issues, which will add to your stress. And sometimes during the holidays, we have people where there's a lack of agreement about how the holiday is going to go, where it's going to be, and all of the details which can add to stress. We have a good percentage, a healthy percentage, I would say, in my opinion, of Americans and people in the world who are in domestic abuse, but not being tracked because there's no violence. So how would you track it? And those people have high stress all year round, but in particular also during the holidays. You could be stressed because you have health problems, illnesses, mobility problems. You might be dealing with either a terminal illness or disease or someone you care about has that. Um, envy, jealousy, resentment kind of often go stealth and you might not realize you're being envious or you're being resentful, but those things add to stress levels and uh, all year round and, and particularly during the holidays. And holidays in general can magnify unhappiness in your relationships. I mean, sometimes that can be fueled by social media and you're seeing pictures of everyone with their lovely family or their lovely spouse or boyfriend, girlfriend, what have you. And, and it can fuel an internal dialogue of unhappiness. So it can be fueled by the holidays. Now, sometimes for some of you, you might be disorganized, which can compound your stress either during the holidays or during the year, overwhelm or burnout. If you have a special needs child or a special needs adult or you're a care, caregiver of any kind, that's extra stressful, period. Pile on with the holidays. You might be stressed out or added, have added stress because there are things that are not being said. Now, I did an entire podcast devoted to what is not being said. And quite frankly, in society, we have a great number of things that are not being said, unfortunately. And and so that podcast could help you and it might free you up from some of the stress. Now, we also have unresolved conflicts, things that are unreasonable or unfair expectations. If you are the family scapegoat or the black sheep, or if there's a double bind situation in your family or in your relationship or in your work or anywhere, that is going to magnify stress, uh, not just during the holidays, but all year. And, and which, by the way, could be with a friend um, and that's going to cause drama and upset. You might have issues with your kids or your siblings or your in-laws or your parents. You might feel during the holidays and all year, you are being judged, criticized, or condemned. Some of you are. You're actually being deeply judged, criticized, and condemned. 
and and maybe trauma bonded with those people who are actually doing the judging con- criticizing and con- condemnation uh you might not enjoy the holidays like it just might not be your thing and you might not be able to say no that it's not your thing you might not have boundaries and assertiveness could be lacking so there's a whole healthy list of about 25 things that can add stress to your life and stress during the holidays. So there are many, many valid reasons why you might have stress during the holidays or throughout the year. So let's start to pull apart what what really, where you can make a difference with this. Because it's no fun to feel stressed. It's just, it's not a good thing. It's very negative. It's bad for your health. So During the holidays, you can take steps. You can take steps before the holidays, during and after to increase your emotional bandwidth. Now, emotional bandwidth is is a concept you may not be familiar with, but it really has to do with how much emotional energy or bandwidth. I mean, bandwidth is really the perfect word. How much, you know, leeway you have with your emotions. I did an entire podcast podcast on emotional bandwidth, but but in this podcast, I'm not going to repeat the whole emotional bandwidth podcast, but I'm just mentioning that because you can go there and get lots of ideas on what you can do to boost your emotional bandwidth and what will what will decrease your emotional bandwidth. So one of the things that will decrease your emotional bandwidth during the holidays or during the year is grief, grieving, loss, bereavement. So we in society are not very good at grieving. We're just not. And we're, it's actually an area where people are very uncomfortable. And I, I was in rehab because of my car accident on Labor Day, which I'm still recovering for from. And thank God I, all of my injuries will heal. But there's a lot of grief and sadness in the hospital, which I was in for just about three weeks or so. And in the rehab, which was another month or so, lots of sadness, but we don't have this big capacity to allow sadness. So, so in the hospital, like here I had this tragic car accident, uh, like nearly fatal. Like I'm so lucky. I am so, so lucky. Like I am incredibly lucky, blessed, protected, whatever you want to call it. So I cried in the hospital every day for about five to maybe 10 minutes. Like it was a limited duration cry, but I really cried. And when the nurses or staff would catch me, I mean, I didn't do it, you know, to to get attention. I was trying to do it quietly. So I didn't, so my roommate didn't hear. Uh, But there were many times I was caught, like a, a nurse or some staff would just happen to pop in on my side of the room if they caught me crying it was like oh no what's wrong well my response was well I just had a major car accident I'm in the hospital I can't walk and I'm just allowing myself five to ten minutes to cry about it and I think that's reasonable and then they would kind of you know bristle upward and kind of look at me and go oh yeah yeah that seems pretty reasonable actually so we, but we don't have this capacity. So once it was explained to the nurses or the staff in rehab, well, I kept crying in rehab too. But again, it was very limited, five to 10 minutes. Worst case, in the very beginning, it might've been twice a day. 
But then, you know, things started to settle down because I also had a lot to be grateful for. So as this emotional intelligence coach and expert, you have to deal with all of the emotions, not just the the sad negative ones, but we also need to have no shame about it. But we haven't reached that point in society where, where it's okay to grieve. Like one day, someday down the road, this things will change. And when someone starts to cry, people will open their hearts and have compassion and say, oh, can I put my arm around you? Can I give you a hug? Oh, do you need to talk about it? Oh, I'm here for you. Like, I got you. And, and whether you even talk to the person about why they're crying, they will feel like so much better. But we have this uncomfortable level. It's almost like people want to run, like, like literally want to run away screaming. And when we, we increase our capacity as a society for all emotions, not just grief and loss, then during the holidays and during the year, you'll be able to celebrate your deceased loved ones, friends, family, whoever, and not have it be this awkward situation because it's awkward for people in my opinion in my expertise when we even sometimes talk about someone who's passed away so grief and loss are very problematic but they don't have to be because you can learn skills and I'm going to talk about all the locate the place to start building skills so that your life becomes completely you know you're able to handle stress in a way that leaves people with their mouth open. I mean, I will say, I will say from the hospital staff and the rehab staff, people were a little bit like, Oh boy, you are really handling this. Well, like, wow. Like all my people were like stunned. Well, because I can handle my emotions because I have emotional skills. What could you possibly throw at me? Well, first of all, I've had every bad thing already happen to me. I mean, the car accident I never had happened. So now we can add that to the list of traumas and bad things. But, but I've had so many traumas and so many bad things, but they never took me out of the game because of the skills I have, which we'll get into. So going back to the holidays and your, and your life that's stressful, one of the things you can do is to deconstruct what doesn't work. What doesn't work for the holidays and what doesn't work for your life in general? That would be a novel exercise for you. And I would, I'm going to give you a good, a few examples. And then I would suggest that you brainstorm to really complete this process because what stresses you during the holidays, there's some chance, there's some chance that it also stresses you during the year. Now, if it's a holiday-specific related task, then no. But So, for example, um, the holidays are too labor-intensive with respect to decorations, or the holidays are too labor-intensive in with respect to the food prep and entertaining. Um, you don't like spending time with this particular person or that particular person or this group or that group, or you don't have enough me time or enough downtime or you don't like traveling or hosting or, or something about the holidays, or you find them particularly boring, or you find that you don't have, you know, they take up way too much time. You want to pare that down and only spend three hours on a Thanksgiving or Christmas or what have you. So you get the idea. So you, you have to understand what it is that's stressing you and what it is you don't like. And then, you know, if you're single, you know, well, do you have a family? Do you have parents? Do you, have, you know, 
who else is in your life because I don't recommend you become a dictator. I don't recommend dictatorships. <laughs> that won't make you popular and it won't make people happy and it's not healthy. There's nothing good about being a dictator. But you can make changes. You can call a family meeting. Uh, you can call a family meeting and say, hey, you know, th this isn't working for me. We need to bring team to the table for holidays. So, I mean, I had my kids, We, the kids and I, the three kids and I, we decorated for the holidays. It was the three kids and I. We did the meal planning. What are we having for the holiday meal? Okay, who's going to be doing what dish? Who's going to be helping? And and I was reasonable about, reasonable about it. I'm not an unreasonable person. I'm not hard to get along with, but I am somebody who doesn't believe I should do it all by myself. I'm not a martyr. I'm not a, I'm not a martyr, a saint, and I don't play the victim. So I would like bring team to it. So you could bring team to your holidays, bring team to your life, sit down with the people in your life and say, you know what? This is way too much work. Let's pare down the decorations or let's, let's not have two meals. Let's do one meal. Let's do a potluck. Let's do like you could come up with some very creative solutions to the problems you have. And if if one of your problems is you don't like to be around this person or that person, you could negotiate. Let's go to a restaurant where we can only spend. We'll only be there for two hours, or we'll we'll get kicked out of our table within an hour and a half or two hours. You know, you you can come up with creative solutions to the things that don't work for you. Now, you might need to have some assertiveness to have this come to pass, and you might need to have some boundaries. Boundaries may be one of the things that's missing, that's causing an increase in stress during the year and at the ho at the holiday time. I mean, boundaries are, boundaries are amazing. <laughs> And not everybody has boundaries. I remember talking to the mother of one of my friends years ago and who's, my friend's mother had called me, which was a little unusual. And she said something to me, I, which I don't recall. And I just said to her, oh my gosh, don't you, what, what's wrong? Don't you have any boundaries? And she basically said, boundaries? No, I don't, I don't know. What are boundaries? Do I have boundaries? I don't know. Like she had no idea what boundaries were. And no, she didn't have any boundaries, which is why she was calling me. It was because she didn't have any boundaries. So you might have this false notion that you have to spend time with certain people in your life, which you may, like it, it might be the civil thing to do. It might be the loving and compassionate th thing to do. I, I, I believe you should you know, treat people with love and compassion. But there's also this line where when someone's been abusive and really cruel, it's not a good idea always to spend time with those people. Sometimes you have to say, you know what, we have to let bygones be bygones. I've forgiven you, but I just don't want to be around you. Like, I, it just doesn't make me feel good. You know, like you are the only arbiter of that decision you'll have to decide you know but some people they go to uh it could be a family dinner at the holidays or it could be it could be a group outing with friends and they leave and they feel drained and they feel exhausted and they are not happy that is sign number one something's amiss the people who are meant to be with you are not going to leave you feeling wounded discouraged, unhappy, criticized, judged, and condemned. No, they are going to love you up and cheer you on and help you to feel good about yourself. 
And unfortunately, because of the level of dysfunctionality in society, that's not what's typical. What's more typical is the nitpicking, judging, condemning, criticizing, and all that stuff, which is just, it's no good. It's no good. Now, if it's your own children and you are the parent and you feel tired and drained and exhausted, that, you know, that may be a red flag that you need to do some work on your relationship with your child or your grown child. Now, if you are the parent, don't look forward to seeing and spending time with your children. I have to say, in my opinion, something's off. What's that about? What is going on? Because I would hope as the parent, you would be excited and overjoyed and, and really want to spend time with your child, adult child of whatever age. Now, if you're if you don't want to see your parent, it very well may be because of trauma when you were growing up. It may be because they constantly make you feel like you're not good enough or they criticize you. But these are things to begin to sort out because you have a lifetime and feeling stressed all year long or feeling stressed during the holidays is not a happy thing. It's not healthy. It's not right. You know, it's not okay. Now, it is okay if you want to be alone for the holidays. Now, I'm kind of assuming it's not driven by depression or high anxiety. If you're depressed or having a lot of anxiety, I would get in underneath that and deal with that. But sometimes people begin to heal in life at, at, at different ages all, all across the board. And sometimes when you're healing, what makes sense and feels right is to kind of isolate yourself or go into hermit mode a little bit, kind of withdraw, call it withdrawing or retreating or cocooning. So you may be doing that because you're healing, but it takes a sense of awareness to distinguish. Are you depressed or feeling deeply anxious or are you struggling? Like, is that why you're kind of wanting to retreat, withdraw or cocoon? Or is it because you're really healing and you're just kind of in the zone of healing. So that's something, if you want to be alone for the holidays, I would sort that out. I would really sort that out because there's many things you can do for depression. And by the way, depression and anxiety are a trauma response. So it could be that you're healing from trauma or if you're feeling depressed and anxious, you could it could simply be your trauma response to a childhood trauma or adult trauma. Now, I'm going to talk to you now about the emotional component of all of this because all of this, all of this comes back to emotional abilities. Now, we in society and we in the world are not teaching or instructing people how to manage and process their emotions. We are not. No, we are not, sadly. Now, the topic of emotional intelligence has started to permeate culture and society, but what's missing from that is the instructions about what happens in your mind when you manage and process your emotions. So, you know, your emotions, for the most part, are kind of a guide. They can kind of really be signaling to you something's off. You know, we have things, feelings like um, jealousy, envy, resentment, anger, you know, smear campaigns, 
you know, sometimes you can't put your finger on it, but you know something's off with either an individual or a group of people. Like it doesn't feel good or there's something that doesn't feel right. Like it might feel disingenuous or even fake sometimes. So what what will help you? The, the absolute most, in my humble, humble opinion, is to learn the skills of what happens in your mind. This is the thinking part of managing and processing your emotions. So this skill, managing and processing your emotions, the skill set that happens in your mind, is, is miraculous. And to help you with that, I have a free, it is free, emotional processing workbook on my website right below the Newsweek logo. Now, I have to say that uh, we I put this workbook together. It's We're on version 5.0. Version 6.0 will be coming. We know it's coming. It's just not where I'm not. I'm not there. And I'm okay that I'm not there because what I'm doing is deconstructing what it is I do to manage and process my emotions because as I've been dissected by more than one therapist, we're learning that this is my like superpower skill set that I've learned over a very long period of time on my own by the grace of God. And this is a gift from God or the universe to you. So you could go buy a book for $25 and good luck. I almost guarantee you it will not include the things that I have included I can almost guarantee you. And uh, it's it's very different from what you'll find on the web. If you Google steps to manage and process your emotions, they will tell you things like punch a pillow, draw a picture, talk to a friend, rip up a piece of paper. You know, those are not bad things. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But that's not the instruction part of what happens in your mind. Your, your mind needs instructions. Your mind needs What's step one? What's step two? What's step three? So in the emotional processing workbook, free on my website for you, I have a diagram of the different elements. Then it goes, walks you through the process, which includes sorting yourself out on a couple aspects, which are important. So, you know, where in life are you feeling stressed? Is it at home? Is it with family? Is it at work? Well, I deal with people all day long everywhere and most people have stress all the time like that's that's where most people are about it i'm i'm not a fan of that people i like when you've had a really hard life you just want love and affection joy happiness playfulness fun that's what you want because you're just not gonna have the bs i'm a no 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 to drama bs negativity and and garbage i'm like i won't have it So you could look at it and say to yourself, you listening to this podcast, blank stresses me. Blank, what is, fill in the blank, what is blank? Blank stresses me. Well, for some people, my kids stress me, my spouse stresses me, my job stresses me, my finance stresses me. Like, what is it for you? I don't know. But that is a very uh, good place to begin. And uh, if it's it's your kids, by the way, (laughs) I I did a podcast about my kids are stressing me because that's common and I understand that's common, but I do have lots of ideas for you in that podcast if it's your kids of any age. And that could be 
young children stressing you. It could be teenage, adolescent. It could be adult children in their 20s. It could be adult children in their 40s or 50s or 60s, whatever age. So there's a podcast to help you with that. Now, as you're going through this, I highly, highly, highly suggest the technique of brainstorming where you simply take out a piece of paper or your laptop or your notebook or your iPad or whatever you use and generate a list without judging and condemning the list of all the ways that things that you could do or the ways that you could reduce the stress in your life, all the ways or things that would make your life easier and happier. Uh, Hint, hint, number one, learn emotional skills. I hope you put that on your list. And make a list, which could, once you sort it out, it could become a a checklist. But you can start on the list if you make one, and that will help you take back your power. Do one line item at a time, or you can do several line items. I do not recommend, however, that you approach this with the victim mentality or martyrhood, which if you want to do that, go right ahead. But there's no power in being the victim and there's no power in being the martyr there are we do have plenty of people they make excuses it's always someone else's fault it's always something outside of their control they could never have this wonderful life because of this or that or you know what have you and that's really that's okay if you want to live your life like that go right ahead i don't have any skin in the game about how you live your life it's just not going to give you a great amount of joy and happiness and love Now, if you happen to have a family, children or, you know, a family of whatever, whatever nature, however your family is constituted, then I would certainly recommend that you engage with them in the brainstorming and engage with them because this will teach the, you know, this is a like teachable moment for family or family members. And I actually did the brainstorming act activity with my kids on a regular basis, not just with chores. We did it with chores. We did brainstorming about when we got in a meal rut and meal planning, you know, decorations, cooking, you know, we did a lot of brainstorming and it's a very effective tool. So that can help you. But really, the, you want to notice where there's any common denominators, which could be you, by the way. And it could be the way that you think, and it could be the way that you approach life. And if that's the case, that's going to be helpful. It is going to be helpful to notice if you're the common denominator and about things that are, are, are stressful. So that's where you can get to work, brainstorm, and start to sort that out. Now, I'm not a fan of stress because what we know from psychoneuroimmunology is that psychological stress is very hard on the body, it's hard on the brain, and it can leave you with physical symptoms. So you could have GI distress, back pain, knee pain, uh, headaches, migraines, you could have any symptom. You could not be able to sleep, which could be as a result of either trauma or psychological stress. So the more you lower your stress levels, the better your chances are to be healthy and well. So to wrap this up, I'm going to give you a short list. Well, okay, maybe it's not that short. A list of areas you could start with, which what we know will help you reduce your stress. So number one, you would do extremely well, extremely well to make sure that you, your thinking is rational. 
Now, we have the majority, meaning greater than 50% of the population, who is not rational. They are actually irrational. And I have an entire podcast that is titled Cognitive Distortions, which will help you with that. But if you have a form of a cognitive distortion or you have a form of irrational thinking, that is very problematic. That is extremely problematic. Now, there's like, oh, there's, I, I think in the podcast on cognitive distortions, I probably list somewhere between 15 and 19 different cognitive distortions. There are so many. There, there are even more than that. I list the most common ones. But that means your thinking is flawed. Your, your judgments are flawed. Your perceptions are flawed because your thinking is distorted. So right out of the gates, what is going to help you is rational thinking, which by the way, is one of the points in my emotional processing workbook. Because if you have irrational thinking, so let's say you have all or nothing thinking, or you have black or white thinking, or even you have, you know, you're an emotional reasoner. You are not going to be able to manage and process your emotions in good, in a good fashion because your thinking is distorted. You're going to end up with a distorted uh, way of, of processing your emotions, which I can tell you from all the people I work with is going to leave you with pain. So first off, make sure you get on the road to rational thinking if you don't have it now. Now, this is not like none of this should be, oh, no, oh, God, woe is me. No, stop that. Well, or you can do it. Go ahead. You could be woe is me. I'm just not a fan of that because it's not helpful. It's not helpful. What's helpful is to go, woohoo, like like this year I was like, woohoo, I ran away from love. Woohoo, I'm guarded. Woohoo, let's see, what else do we learn? Uh, oh, I, I've had, I've been trauma bonded. Like I'm learning a lot about myself. Well, I've been doing that since I was young, but I don't go, oh no, I was trauma bonded to this person or that person. No, I'm like, oh wow, isn't that amazing? Wow, yes, I did justify really crappy treatment. Oh, oh I, I definitely trauma bonded there. So get on the board on, ro- on the road for rational thinking. My second point is to begin. If you do everything else, I say this will come around, which is to have standalone self-esteem. Part of the issue of stress during the year and during the holidays is low self-esteem. You, when you have low self-esteem, you typically take things in an inappropriate way. Now, it may be because you have irrational thinking. Irrational thinking means you're going to take somebody's statement because your thinking is flawed or distorted. You are going to then distort their statement and come up with a distorted reaction. Do you see? It's like a vicious circle. You've got to get out of the irrational thinking and get out of low self-esteem. Uh, and by the way, so I have a podcast coming up where I'll do more on the low self-esteem because that is so problematic. It is really, really a painful situation. But if you do everything else that I talk about in my podcast, you will eventually over time build self-esteem. Now, I already mentioned healthy boundaries. That will help you. I do have a podcast about that. Boundaries, people, you've got to have them. Do you want to tell people about it? Well, there's mixed views about that. I, I I don't care. I will tell people my boundaries because I will. I don't always tell people my boundaries, but I sometimes, if it's appropriate, I will say, oh yeah, I, I, I will never do that. And this is why. Um, so if you don't have boundaries, I have a podcast to help you. Next, one thing that will help you all over in life 
forever and ever and ever is assertiveness. I have a short podcast on assertiveness. There are, however, many books on assertiveness. One, uh, Your Perfect Right, has been in print for decades. And I mean, like, I don't know, 40 40 years, four decades, more, maybe five decades, I don't know. But there are plenty of books. Make sure you get a good one. Make sure you get a classic that has stood the test of time. I'm not against new books on assertiveness, but we have too many people that are kind of not telling the truth. They are not, they are not, you know, I, I, even one person, I finally Googled them. They have two degrees in psychology and they are telling people BS lies. I just want to strangle them. Like they should not be allowed to put out reels or, or videos. They should not be allowed because they are misleading people, telling people inaccurate. It's, 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 it's traumatic what they're doing. So you have to kind of figure out who to listen to classics are a good place when it comes to assertiveness. Oh, and yeah, by the way, with my content, <laughs> without the degree, we know my content has been vetted by therapists and medical doctors, etc., and more. So it's a safe, this is a safe space because I'm not going to lead you astray. My next suggestion is you can start to kind of inquire or ponder, hmm, has there been any trauma bonding? Well, look to see how you feel after you've been around certain people. That can be a clue. Now, it's not always a clue, but it could be a clue because we have too many people who are, they're very nice to your face, but they're also kind of giving you little mini put downs. But they're so stealth about it that, you know, like it might take you to the next day where you kind of go, hmm, yeah, that, that's really not the nicest thing they said. That's really kind of kind of not nice. So you might start to begin to inquire about trauma bonding. And if you've been trauma bonded to someone, so what? The power is in understanding the dynamic that you had with them because that's how you get freed up. My next suggestion, which is always on my list, something <laughs> something that I love, I do love it, really, I do, which is self-care. Like, take care of yourself and have no shame. Listen, you can call me vain. I don't care if you call me vain. I'm not too, I'm not too terribly vain. I mean, I don't wear foundation, blush, nail polish, fake nails. You know, I don't dye my hair. So how vain could I be? I'm not saying you're vain if you do that, by the way. That's part of your routine. That's part of your routine. But I, I did have a friend go get me mascara, eyeliner, an eyelash curler, and a mirror when I was in the hospital within the first week or so, so that when I got cleaned up, I could do my little mini makeup. I mean, that's hardly any makeup, people. You, can, you call that makeup. It is makeup, but it's hardly any. But it's part of my self-care routine. Now, I didn't put all my jewelry on in the hospital rehab, but but I did my self-care. And as a result, I felt better. So make self-care fun. Make it something you look forward to. So self-care, high, high, high on the list. Next, I suggest you begin the journey for self-compassion. Oh, this is so sadly missing in life. It really is. And, and people are hard on themselves and then some people are hard on themselves and then they're hard on other people. Like I had people who were very hard on me in the hospital and rehab. And I, I was just like in my head, shaking my head thinking, yeah, you know what? This is, this is uncool. Now I didn't get into a, a snit with them. I didn't get into a confrontation because quite frankly, I don't need to. I don't say everything to everyone that I could say because I like no drama. Once I get your number, if I get your number, I got your number. 
but self-compassion. Start to be kind to yourself. Start to be generous to yourself. Start to be loving to yourself. And it's a journey. And for some of you, the idea of being nice to yourself is appalling. And you're, you're like, it's like abhorrent. You're, it's like the worst thing you could think of. But I'm, I promise you that if you get on the road to self-compassion, life will change. You will feel better. It's, it, it's really nice to be nice to yourself. My next suggestion is make sure you have plenty of love and affection in your life. It doesn't have to be romantic. It can be platonic. But have love. Give love. Receive love. Make love a priority. I'm telling you, love is like the best thing in the world. And if you don't want romantic love, then don't don't have it. I, I'm, I don't have romantic love right at this moment, but it's coming, people. <laughs> I don't know when. I know those people have been listening saying, she's been talking about that for three years. I think, yes, I have. It'll come. Don't worry. It'll come. Uh, but have love and affection in your life and, and be affectionate with people in your life. Like get yourself healed enough that you can give love and receive love. Because part of the issue with love and affection is most people didn't get enough love and affection or get any love and affection in their childhood. So they never saw it modeled. And it's a foreign entity. It's a completely foreign idea. Like I know people, you can't even hug them. They're so shut down to life. You can't even give them a hug. Now, that's fine. If you're not a hugger, that's fine. You, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you're talking about someone who you're close with, then it's kind of like, hmm, what's going on? So give love, receive love, have love and affection. My next suggestion is that you begin the path of generating your own happiness. Like, I'm telling you, like, it's amazing if you learn how to generate your own happiness. Because then, even after a major a nearly fatal car accident when you're in the hospital, you can actually have happiness and joy and make the staff laugh. I'm a, that's when I didn't have my five to 10 minutes of crying and, and have joy. And then when I got to rehab, same thing, only I decided, well, uh, get my podcasting equipment brought to rehab and uh, with the help of the director of nursing, Heidi, and the director of activities, um, Larry, they printed out my podcast for me and the nurses helped me find a little, you know, room. The staff there was fantastic. So I did almost as many podcasts in rehab as I had done in before the accident because it made me happy. Like do things that make you happy. Learn how you can be happy separate from your circumstances because let's face it, not being able to walk, I'll be able to walk in like two weeks about or start walking. Yeah, that's, that is not that's a bad circumstance. Like that's bad. However, not being brain damaged, that's a good, you know, not being paralyzed, that's good. Not losing a limb, that's good. So I had all this good, but then, you know, I had the bad of having to, I have to recover. I have to rebuild my muscles. I, my muscles atrophied. So generate your own happiness. That's a skill set. Generate your own happiness separate from what's happening in your life. Separate, separate, separate. You won't regret that. And that's not how people talk about happiness, which is why, by the way, some other podcasters, Facebook reel makers, whatever, will say, oh, don't bother with happiness. Oh my gosh, I want to strangle these people. Yes, you do want to bother with happiness, except you want to bother with happiness that is separate from your circumstances. 
because your life circumstances can change on a dime and other people can impact your circumstances without your permission. So if you learn happiness separate from your circumstances, then you can have happiness no matter what happens. Don't ditch happiness. Don't listen to some of those people that I'm telling you like, oh yeah, you trained people how to treat you. So all the shitty treatment you got, that's your fault. Oh my people, listen, that's not true. I have a podcast about that. That makes me furious and people are still saying it. No, you grew up in a dysfunctional family where you weren't loved properly. You weren't given affection. You weren't given lots of things. People treated you badly and, and for some of us, we didn't even recognize we were being treated badly until later in life when we went, whoa, this is not okay. So you didn't train people to treat you like terrible. No, you did not. That, stop that. Go listen to that podcast. Uh, set goals. We know from the research, setting goals, it doesn't have to be life-changing. You do not have to go change the world. You could simply set a small goal of cleaning out your sock drawer or, you know, vacuuming your car or, you know, doing the dish. Like you could set small goals, but we know from the research that setting goals helps boost happiness. It does. And I have a podcast about that. Have a reward system. Oh my goodness, people, please have a reward system because they're fun and life is hard. Why should you not get a little reward or a little perk or a little boost for doing life? I, I don't know. Well, you don't have to have one. That's completely optional. <laughs> like, but I believe they are fun and I believe they can be motivational because I've used them. Well, actually, I just realized while I was in rehab and I had a little extra time to think, I was using a reward system in college. <laughs> I won't say some of my rewards, but you you might be able to imagine going out. Yeah. Um, but have a reward system and I have a podcast to help you with that. My next suggestion, one of my favorites is grow like a weed. Grow, 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 grow and develop. That's like you taking back your power. Take back your power. You take back your power by learning about yourself. Like I had no loss of power when I realized earlier this year, thanks for the person who helped me see that, that I ran away from love. I wasn't thrilled about it. I'm not proud about it. It's not like I'm like my proudest moment. No, it's not my proudest moment. At the same time, though, now I don't have to run away from love. I can go, okay, this scares me. Well, yeah, but is, we're going to have a great time. So grow like a weed and take people with you. That'll make it more fun, I promise you. My next suggestion is learn how to control your mind. This is the sticky wicket where I don't know what the percentage is, but it's a pretty good, it's a decent percentage of people. They go down the rabbit hole. They start either brooding or ruminating or overthinking or catastrophizing or negative thinking and they get kind of they spiral downward and they spiral downward because they haven't learned that they can control their mind now from the very beginning of time people i promise you this it's in the, it's in my podcast about learning to control your mind this has been this has been a topic there are certain topics that have been talked about discussed and written about from the beginning of time and this is one of them so is the meaning of life and and several other things but you can learn to control your mind i have a podcast on it but that will help you because when people get into this kind of downward spiral 
they literally, it's literally like they don't have a life preserver or they don't have, you know, a rope to hold on to and they just go down and down and down and down. And then they, they just can't get themselves sorted out or it takes them either days or weeks or what have you. And that's, that's, that's not good. That is not good. You can learn to control your mind. The newer current kind of terminology for that would be mindfulness. Uh, another terminology for that would be to be present. If you're present listening to me right now in this podcast, you are not thinking about what to make for dinner. You are not thinking about where you're going next. You are not thinking about anything. You are just letting my words wash over you, just allowing you to be with me in this podcast. So learn to control your mind. That is going to help you with stress in, in infinite, infinite, infinite ways. My next suggestion is no drama. You can have drama if you want. I did do a podcast about drama and there are certain people where it's like they're the drama there. They perpetuate drama and much of that, by the way, much of the drama circles around people who are abusers. They will use triangulation. They will use gaslighting and tactics of manipulation. They leave you confused. You're really just like, there's like this, this veil of confusion. And that's often, 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 in my opinion, uh, abusers. Now, it could be just people who completely lack self-awareness. They completely don't understand that they've thrown themselves under the bus and they don't even know it. But but move away from drama. I've gotten to the point, especially once once I started saying, okay, that person is out of my life. And what did I notice? Oh, there's like hardly any drama. I'm like, wow, like, wow. So there are certain people who are, you know, they just like the drama is with them. And, and, and it, it's not just necessarily because they lack self-awareness. Some of them are narcissists and some of them are psychopaths and some are sociopaths, but some of them are emotional reasoners and they're bullies. They're just flat out bullies. So it could be for all reasons, but start getting rid of drama in your life and your stress levels will go way down. I mean, unless you're the one creating the drama, in which case you need to get to work on yourself. And my last suggestion is go to my website and download my free emotional workbook. It is free. And I challenge you to find something that is not proper in it. Like I challenge you. I do challenge you. And I, and I don't do that out of an arrogant hubris filled, you know, mentality. I do it because I'm confident about what I've presented and what I put together. I wouldn't put it out there in the world if I wasn't really sure. Because I, like most people, I like to be right. I do like to be right. So I'm not going to go out on a limb if, if I'm not very highly confident that I've done my due diligence, I've done my homework, I've dotted my I's, I've crossed my T's because I don't want to look like a fool. I would never want to look like a fool, but use the workbook. It's free. My, the feedback I've gotten is it is not difficult. It's actually easy. So there you have it. I hope as we enter into the holiday season, uh, this week we have Thanksgiving and next month we have all kinds of holidays that you can start to take back your life, take back your power, start to de-stress your life for the holidays, but Better yet, de-stress your life overall in general. That's it. 
Thank you for listening to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 145, De-Stress Your Life, De-Stress Your Holidays. I certainly hope you have gotten some new ideas about things you can do, changes you can make in your life to bring down your stress, not just for the holidays, but every day. I hope you will share this podcast on social media to help your loved ones, friends, family, coworkers de-stress their holidays and de-stress their lives. I love you. Hang in there for now. That's all.